This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shulchan Aruch Simen Aleph says that if a person whose expertise is unknown to us shechs an animal, um, the question is, right, can we, right, uh, what are we supposed to do at that point? Normally you're supposed to uh, make sure that a shochet knows all the halachas in advance. So the Shulchan Aruch says that if the shochet is still present, is still the fanecha, to um, to be asked, so then you run the examination afterwards instead of before. And if they pass, the animal is kosher. And if they don't, the animal um, is has to be treated as not kosher. But if they're not lefanecha, if the shochet has gone off somewhere, uh, then you're allowed to eat the meat on the presumption that the shochet was an expert because Rav Mitzuyim etzel shchut uh, because most of those people who engage in shchita are um, are are experts, so you can rely on that presumption. Okay, um, so the Shach quotes the Bach quoting the Ravon. Um, I don't, we don't know if, whether Rav Moshe saw um, the Ravon or even the Bach inside, but he certainly saw the Shach quoting the Bach quoting. Uh, Quoting, quoting the Ravan, um, and they quote the Ravan as, uh, as follows. Generally, it seems to me, de'af ravina lo'ka'amar di'imshachat bo'dkimoso, ela k'shiyesh l'fenir mutsinan l'miftekech. It seems to him that even though, uh, in the Gemara, Rav Mitzvim Eitzel Shchitahen is given by the um, Gemara as the rationale by which all Amara, the other Amoraim reject Ravina's explanation of a, of a critical brayta, nonetheless, um, this outcome uh, says says the uh, says the Ravan works even according to um, to Ravina. That you only require this bedika when he's still in front of you, but if the right if the shochet is gone, you don't require this bedika. So that seems to indicate that Ravina also agrees. That's problematic because that's the reason all Amorim give for rejecting Ravina. Then the uh, Ravon goes on and says, Ulefize, and once we understand that Ravina agrees in principle that Rav Mitzuyan Eitzel Shchitahen, or at least once we understand that Ravina agrees in principle that the Bedika is only necessary when the Shochit is the Fenenu, they says, uh, um, therefore he says, Lididan, uh, so according to us, uh, meaning to us who don't hold like Ravina, uh, so then, when the uh, when the shochet is not lefenu, then you can eat the shchita. Okay, so that's fine. Even if we have the possibility of pursuing the shochet and catching up to it. So if you follow the logic of the Rav, of the Ravon, so we have the first uh, the first problem is that he thinks that there's no obligation to check. A shochet uh, who has departed, even though the implication of the Gemara is that he doesn't believe Rov Mitzuyin Eitzel Shchita Mumchein. So why not? Uh, right? Why? Right? Why? 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 Why is the Why is the meat kosher if the um, person, if the person is unknown as to whether they're expert, and you have no basis for presuming they're expert? 
Uh, secondly, he seems to think that the disagreement, uh, that the difference between holding like Ravina and holding like the other Amaraim, which is us, Rovin Sveimesil is that if you hold like if you hold like Ravina, so then the difference the difference between the 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 being present or not is that for the the shochet according to Ravina the shochet is present so long as the shochet is accessible, meaning the shochet is present so long as the situation is efsher livuri uh, at all, but um, but according to us. The shochet is present only. The shochet is present only so long as they're actually here. But the fact that you could find the shochet at the result of effort, that's not considered in front of us, right? So the Ravan claims that the definition of present of lifanenu changes depending on whether you hold rov mitzvim or not, and that's right. And then the problem is, but what does Ravina say about that? Ravina must hold something like it, otherwise why would he think that if the shochet is completely gone you can eat the shechita, but he can't hold rov mitzayin et shechitahin, so what does Ravina actually uh, say? Now the shach himself has another problem. The shach says I don't understand what the Ravon is doing. When the Gemara explains Ravina, the Gemara doesn't say the Ravina says you know what, if the shochet is gone, then you can just rely on um, on the on the likelihood that he actually is expert, that's not what Ravina says at all. Ravina says is that if the shochet is gone and kosher witnesses uh, actually observed the shechita and saw that the shechita was done properly, then um, you can make that work. So the shach says, "What's Ravon saying?" Ravon seems to imply that Ravina agrees that you can simply rely on the presumption, uh, on some kind of presumption that the shochet is expert, but that's not what Ravina says in the Gemara. Ravina says in the Gemara that you can rely on witnesses. Okay, so Ramosha has to put these three things together. One, how, why does Ravina allow any kind of, uh, why does Ravina always require that you investigate the shochet and trafe the food if the uh, shochet isn't present, since he doesn't hold Rovmetsu Yemes of Shritahim? Number two, why is the difference between whether you hold Rov Shritahim or not framed only as about this intermediate case, uh, the way the Ravon says it, which is that if you hold Rov Shritahim, then you don't have to chase after him if he's accessible, but if you do, hold, uh, but if you don't hold Rov Shritahim, then you have to chase after him. But again, as we pointed out, it's still okay if um, if you can't catch him. I mean, it's still kosher. And then a third possibility is. Why doesn't um, the Ravon seem to um, seem to mention what, uh, according to the Gemara, is Ravina's critical distinction, which is that Ravina says it's not you can't actually rely on this rov mesuim or you can only whatever reliance he allows you to put on an unknown shochet is only if somebody actually observed the shechita. And our job here is to understand Rav Moshe's terrace, not to evaluate it. So I'm not going to uh, try and see whether. It, it fits into any of the texts he's claiming. I'm just going to try to present the terrets uh, as it is and leave you to make your own evaluation. Um, Rav Moshe, again, is trying... The key thing he has to explain is how is it that, uh, according to the Ravan, that Ravina ends up saying that you have to pursue the Shochet if they're gone, and yet it's okay if you don't catch him, whereas um, we... Don't don't think you even have to pursue the shochet, although you do have to ask questions if the shochet is still present. So Rav Moshe 
constructs the Ravon's understanding of Ravina as follows. The Amoraim reject Ravina because they say, meaning the majority, the presumption is the majority of people who do Shechita are expert. Ravina doesn't think that the facts are so far off. Ravina thinks that half the people who do Shechita are experts. Ravina, Ravina ends up with, a, right, thinks that um, the expertise of an unknown Shochet is a suffix. Okay. But then Ravina says, you know what? But a percentage of the people who are not expert who shecht still do it okay. So in the end, uh, in the end, you actually have a rov that uh, most of the meat slaughtered by unknown shochtim is uh, is kasher, uh, even though you don't have rov mitzvah etel etel shchitahem. Okay. So now what what emerges then? Says Rav Moshe. Um, so what emer- what emerges is that Ravina, according to the Ravon, has a two-step rove. And therefore, Rav Moshe says, if I could prove that this shochet was not expert, then I would really no longer have a rove that the meat was kosher, right? What, what, what I have established is that, um, that the shochet was part of the 50% who are not experts, and most of the meat slaughtered by non-experts is strafe, so if I were to discover that the shochet was non-expert, it would turn out that the meat was probably treif. And, says Rav Moshe, you can't paskin a, you can't paskin a situation where um, it might turn out that there was evidence available to you that would falsify your psak. Therefore, says Rav Moshe, this is not an ordinary case of Esher Levere. This is a case where it's usher to paskin unless you have all the evidence that is possible. Um, right? If it's not, ordinarily we say Esher Levure is a, um, is a kind of a, a is an additional positive chiv, um, right, that you're supposed to investigate, but it's not a flaw in the psak if you don't. It's just a failure to fulfill your additional obligation, and that's why Esher Levurich imposes a very light burden. But, Rav Moshe says, when it would, could turn out that there were facts available to you that would undermine the, I guess, the epistemological basis of the Psaq, uh, right, or that would completely falsify the Psaq, I, I think it takes work on the formulation, um, then Rav Moshe says, you simply can't paskin. It's not that you have a chiv to investigate, you simply can't paskin. And therefore, he says, you have to pursue the shochet as right to the ends of the earth. It seems, if, necess- if necessary, with otherwise the meat is strafe. But if the shochet is completely gone, and so you can't catch him, maybe because uh, right, you have no way of finding out who the shochet was. So now that now the situation is left, there is a there is still a constructed rove because fifty percent of of shochetim, again, it's Ravina who doesn't hold rove, but he holds palga. Right, half of the people who do shechita are. Are competent and are experts. Sorry, and then and then there's a minority of the fifty percent who are not expert who nonetheless uh, get lucky and perform a kosher shchita. So Rav Moshe says you're allowed to rely on rov when there's no possibility on that kind of on that kind of rov when there's no possibility of uh, falsification. But if there were any possibility of falsification, right? That's no. That's not really a din esher levuri. That's a lack in the psak. But, uh, says Rav Moshe, 
what happens if there are witnesses? So Moshe says that if there are witnesses to the Psaac, so we assume that there is a robe that the um, there is a robe that what the, if the witnesses saw what appeared to be a valid shechita, so robe of the shechita that valid witnesses think are uh, think are valid are in fact kosher. Now, what could we investigate further? We could find the shochet, and Ramesh says the expertise of the shochet at this point is fundamentally um, not important because we have witnesses. Um, so whether the shochet knows the halachas or not is not really our issue. So what must we be, when, when Ravina explains the Gemara, what must he be saying when he says that the meat is only kosher, uh, says that the meat is, that the meat is kosher if you don't investigate, if, if you can't investigate, but that if possible you have to investigate, what are you investigating? The witnesses saw. The answer is that if a, um, that if the shochet tells you that they did right. They did something wrong. Uh, maybe you asked them to write a behilchah shchita, and they realized it wasn't an issue. So now, what do you say? So Moshe says, you know what? The truth is, even if the shochet thinks he did something wrong, but he may not have realized he did it right because sometimes um, people are not fully aware of their own uh, of the of exactly what they're doing. And witnesses are the ultimate um, bearer. So really we should be able to rely on the witnesses even if the Shochet tells us he did it badly. It's just a Chumrah that since, you know what, it's very, you know, Shechita is a tricky thing and eyewitnesses might not catch some of the uh, things the Shochet could do wrong because they're very subtle, you know, in uh, short delays, stuff like, uh, stuff, sawing motions, right, putting pressure on the skin, things like that. So therefore, even though there is a rove, right, it's not eyewitness testimony that the meat is kosher because they can't testify, right, they don't know what the animals are trade for or anything like that. Um, and it's not really counted as even as eyewitness testimony that there was a kosher shechita. It's a rove. Most of the time the witnesses, the witnesses do it. Now that rove is not contra- is not contradicted by the shochet's admission that um, he or she thinks they did something wrong because they can't be certain either of having done something which is so subtle it might have escaped the view of the witnesses. And therefore, you don't know, right? unlike the previous case, where when you, if you catch up to the shochet and, disco- and test them and you discover they're an expert, they're inexpert, right? So you know this is part of the, that your starting point is that there's a 50, per, that you're dealing with, with an inexpert shochet. Here, we don't know. There's still a rove that is kosher, but... We're worried because there's a right. Maybe there's a mir uh, that is trafe because maybe the witnesses missed it. It's only it's only a rose. Ramosha says that's a classic case of Esher Levuri, uh, right? When you're allowed halachically to rely um, because it can't be falsified if you discover that the if you discover that the uh, the shochid admits to doing something wrong that doesn't falsify the testimony of the witnesses. It just makes us nervous. So that's a classic case of Esher Levuri. So Rav Moshe says, ah, well, a classic case of Eshelavuri means that you have to investigate if it doesn't take any effort. And so pretty radically, Rav Moshe says that if you have to pursue the Shochet, that already is considered to be a significant effort, and you don't have to do that, um, you don't have to do that in, once you have eyewitness uh, witness testimony. So it turns out as follows, that the Ravan understood the Gemara, Ravina in the Gemara, to be saying, that uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think Rov Mitzvah Yimei I think that half of those Mitzvah Yimei are Mumchim, 
Uh, and the bright just talking about a case where where, the, where there are witnesses. Uh, Sarvina says, well, you know, in that case, what you should do is you should catch up with him and find out if he did something, if he did something wrong or not. If right, if he's uh, if he's if he's in front of us, then and then ask him. And if he's gone, well, you know what? You can rely on the role of the witnesses. But um, says the uh, Rav, and what about according to us? According to us. Um, sorry, so the Ravon says that in, when the Ravon is, is explaining Ravina in the Gemara, so Ravina in the Gemara would say that all you have to do is uh, is uh, ask the person who's in front of us. But the Ravon says, what if there were no witnesses? If there were no witnesses, um, then the um, then the Ravon says that Ravina would require you to pursue the evidence to the ends of the earth, right? So that's the case. Um, that's not the case that Ravina is discussing in the Gemara, but it's what Ravina would say in a case he doesn't explicitly discuss in the Gemara, which is uh, what happens if you have an unknown shochet and um, and there are no witnesses. So again, if there are witnesses, um, which is the case that Ravina is explaining the bright to the Gemara, then that's a classic case of Esher Levuri, and so you only have to investigate the person um, while they're uh, the shochet while they're in front of you. If the shochet's gone, you don't have to pursue them. But if you're, but when we're talking about the case that the shochet the is talking about, where there are no outside witnesses, so in that case, Ravina um, would agree that you can eat the meat if the shochet is completely gone, because there's a rove constructed out of half the people who do shchit are mumchin, plus some of the people who aren't mumchin sometimes get uh, shchit right. But because that's a falsifiable um, rove, it could turn out that the meat was actually halachically treif. You didn't actually have a rove at all because the person in front of you uh, was not expert. Therefore, you have to go to the ends of the earth uh, to pursue him. However, uh, according to us, um, who disagree with Ravina, and say, so since we have a rove, uh, therefore, um, we don't have to worry about the psak being um, falsified. Sayyid of Moshe gets very fancy. He says that according to us who believe so then when it turns out that the, right, if you were to catch up to the person and discover he's not a mumche, that doesn't falsify the basis of your psak. The basis of your psak was a rove. And since the basis of your psak was a rove, so, even if the outcome of your psak is falsified, and the meat is actually treif, but you didn't make a mistake in your psak, you were somech on a you were somech on a rove. Rav Moshe somehow thinks that doesn't work in the in Ravina's case because Ravina's case there is no rove. What there is is a collection of possibilities, and since you don't have the rove until you go through the step of adding half the people are mumchet plus. Uh, sorry, don't, you get to the rove. Um, right, till, right till you get to the stage of half the people, half the people are uh, are mumcha plus some of the people are mumcha shech. So if you can undermine, if you can get rid of the the possibility that that, right, that if you can get rid of the abstract reliance that half the people are mumcha and say, look, this person is mumcha, so then the rove never gets constructed, uh, right? Because that right there's. Because you, you have there are prior steps to saying there's a rove, 
and some of and one of those prior steps turns out to be irrelevant. So Rav Moshe says, in that case, your psak was wrong. Not just the outcome was wrong, but your psak was wrong. And if your psak can turn out to be wrong, if you thought there was a rove and it turns out there was no there was no rove at all, not that this is part of the minority, but it turns out there was no rove, Rav Moshe says that that's not something that can ever be counted. You can't paskin if there remains a possibility. Okay, right, that's very elaborate, but let's... Um, Leaving aside the question of whether it is pshat in the Ravan or in the Shach's bringing the Bach's quote of the Ravan or in the Shach's quoting of the Bach quoting the Ravan, and whether it's whether the Ravan has a correct explanation of Ravina and all those many many stages, uh, I think that Rav Moshe makes a claim that I find very powerful. Um, but then we have to figure out whether we want to limit it as much as Rav Moshe does. Rav Moshe says that fundamentally, the um, the rule. But Eshlavuri means, uh, which has a low standard, which means you don't, right, you, you can't ignore evidence, um, right? There's a Ramosha basically, as we saw in other places, Ramosha says that Eshlavuri comes in when if you didn't try to investigate, that would be like closing your eyes to the, um, to the, right, to the, to the, to the evidence. But you don't have to pursue the evidence in that case. Um, Ramosha says that doesn't work when, the evidence in that case could falsify not the outcome of your psaq, but could falsify the basis of your psaq. That's a very interesting um, claim. Now, I have argued um, that Bateidin should actually use uh, the higher standard, which is that they should pursue any evidence which could make their psaq turn out wrong, uh, especially in... in, in um, in uh, personal status cases, right? If it turns out right, that uh, right, if you can't issue a psaq that somebody that, that somebody is uh, muterit, if it could turn out that there's evidence available that would demonstrate that um, that she's not muterit, even though you have a viable basis for declaring that she is. Now, Rav Moshe, if we saw one shiva would qualify that, which is you know that runs the risk that you're going to be um, against somebody because you're waiting for the last piece of evidence. Um, so my position has to be qualified at all. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'm quite comfortable going as far as Ramosha appears to be going here, which is to say that you, that you can paskin if it would take effort to get to get the remaining evidence, uh, so long as the remaining evidence would leave the basis of your psak intact. It would just say, for example, right, you're right, there was a rove, but now we know this is not part of the rove, or if right, in the site argued, you're right that there's a rove and the remaining possibility is even less than a mutamatsoi, but it turns out that this is one of the cases where the mutamatsoi, where uh, your case is part of the mutamatsoi. So I would, I think, like to find some middle ground in there and maybe make a difference between Bateidin and um, an ordinary psak or between personal status issues and other kinds of of issues, but I think that um, I'd have to qualify that um, against Rav Moshe's awareness that uh, delay, uh, right? Sometimes, sometimes uh, psak delay, delayed is uh, justice or at least kindness denied. Um, in any event, I think that this uh, analysis gives us a real insight into how into how careful and nuanced the position Rav Moshe had about Eshel right? Because he has a stat, he has a, an Eshel that um, really just requires you to not look away from evidence that's in front of you. And then there's another category of extra livery, which is not a standard meaning, which is that so long as evidence is available, you can never pass it.
Um, okay. I will look forward. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 